I've had a request for all five, but we don't all know them, so the first and the last verses of the rap sack. Hello and welcome to That Option No Longer Exists, the podcast that's a scuffle in the Isle of Labour's Broadchurch. And what a broad church it seems to be. It is so so broad, I'm in the lobby on the way out, hanging around in the Renew Church. There's Adam Juniper shuffling around, eyeing the collection plate. My name is John Bounds. Uh, I am a very left-wing person. I once suggested I was the uh, leftist person in any big tent, apart from that time that Trotsky and Frida Kahlo went on a camping holiday. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great uh, day to be um, talking about the sort of intricacies and inner workings of the Labour Party and whether or not they're doing well, because I've just um, finished watching John McDonnell's speech to conference. I don't know if you've been watching it, Ad. I was watching it too, yeah. And what an absolutely barnstorming piece of work that was packed full of totally transformational policies I did watch. Um, what, I, what was I enjoying it though was not only as I've said before in this podcast John McDonnell does look you know like a competent politician and leader when you see him speaking uh, whereas uh, Jeremy Corbyn was sat there on the front stage looking at him looking a bit nervous he is a man who is not at all secure in his leadership, is he now this week? I'm, I, I, I don't hold with that. What I do think is the idea that you're on stage but not involved in the current thing that's going on is a really difficult thing to pull off. Um, it's, it's, it's like um, it's true that it's never looked good. It's um, it looks the at least it isn't as bad as he, uh, it used to be. And they used to have sort of two rows of um, Labour politicians at the side of the stage. It looked like a really really dull version of University Challenge where no one was getting to answer anything. Yeah, yeah, or like um, a really small Parliament. I mean, because they used to do that back in the days when they only really had a few MPs. But it's interesting to see all the um, the sort of uh, shenanigans uh, around um, the conference and hearing the gossip coming out of conference from people that you know that are there. Um, this is, I mean, there's some some gossip that's absolutely nonsense. Of course, there's, that's got absolutely no um, value or interest or truth in it. Apparently, Jeremy Corbyn got so drunk last night he was uh, hung over and fell over someone in a wheelchair this morning. Um, that famous teetotaler. <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn did that. Um, my uh, uh, man on the insides also just told me that Diane Abbott's just been to the toilet. Oh, I well, we, we all have it. to do that sometimes at conference. Sometimes you bump into the prime minister. You've bumped into the prime minister. No comment. <laughs> In the toilet at a party conference, they have to use the same toilets as the rest of us. Is that's interesting? Is there um, is there something you could tell Potbitch? No, they have they have quite ornate toilets in the uh, in the Grand in Brighton. You can't really see what's going on in the neighbouring ones. You can sense the special branch around you, but that's another matter. <laughs> so Tony uh, Tony Blair had a special branch <laughs> when viewed at a urinal in the Brighton Grand toilets. Um, yeah, so the big news at um, uh, conference is essentially the fact that it's been painted as something where there's no unity or common purpose, isn't it? Well, the thing about these conferences is, uh, you know the placeholder story that any journalist gets given at the beginning of a Labour Party conference is party conference shows disunity. So everyone knows, um, you know, that a conference, as opposed to a rally where there's discussion, and I'm saying this from from the outside, everyone knows that there's going to be a certain amount of debate and it's very easy to depict debate as disunity. The problem is that, you you know, from the outside, you can't really tell whether it is a good year or a bad year. Um, or at least until today. I think now we can really see, so, with the Tom Watson incident for a start, uh, that it is a bit of a bad one, you know. We can see that things are a little less unified than usual. Bizarrely, I think the Tom Watson incident, as we, we might call it, um, or the um, some of the shenanigans from Ian Austin outside, have you seen that? Uh, what's he doing? Uh, he, he's turned up with... A, I mean, don't forget, Ian Austin is not a member of the Labour Party, so he's, like, hanging out outside like an ex that uh, once chucked you and uh, now uh, wants to get back with you. Hanging outside with a big billboard that, said, that says that Jeremy Corbyn is not fit to be leader of the Labour Party. Well, just pl- there are plenty press, of us who would agree uh, with that. There's plenty of the membership that would agree with that. I don't think there's that many of the membership that would uh, agree with that, and um, which is why, I think, the... Um, the old right or the, the the you know the the remains the status quo remain uh lot 
um of a of back down from anything i so let's talk about the 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 a little bit about the the Tom Watson um, incident. Yeah, and we can worked. we can talk a little bit more about the Tom Watson incident because uh, as we record, it's Monday lunchtime, so the interesting votes haven't actually happened yet. From my point of view, there are two interesting votes: one which I think is nailed on to go the right way, the other one completely up in the air. Uh, well, we know at least that one of the unions has um, decided not, you know, decided it would like to win an election. Uh, as opposed to supporting Jeremy, which is uh, quite an interesting one, presumably why he looked so sour-faced earlier. Uh, but yeah, Tom Watson, that was an incident that started on Friday night? Well, that well, that was the... Yeah, so the, um, the idea is that the NEC should meet daily over um, over conference, and then because it's it's got things to sort out. And uh, the thing that uh, they were sorting out on Friday was whether or not Labour actually needs a deputy leader. So you don't think it was a scam to get rid of the somebody who might be taking over from somebody who's about to stand down soon? No, I don't believe that in the slightest. I think that's how it's painted, but I don't believe it in the in the slightest at all. And so you think the, you think um, Germany didn't know about it? There's complete democratic validity to the proposal whether or not you think it's mistimed or whether or not you disagree with it it's a very valid thing to say that if you have someone who is positioned in the shadow cabinet but the leader can't remove and claims a mandate from the members but the members can't remove them that becomes a very dangerous position because you've got someone there who is essentially sort of in the words of stanley as spider-man has got great media power but no collective responsibility um Yes. And it works as long as that person is essentially submitting voluntarily to collective responsibility. If they don't, it doesn't. And as we have an incident at the moment for the last few years where that person hasn't been, it seems pretty fair to say, let's have a look at least at the system to see if we can introduce some accountability into this position. Yeah, I, I, no one. I don't think anyone is arguing with the idea that, that a, a system, you know, anyone is entitled to review their system and have a go at it. I think the question is for something that's you know obviously quite a key um, part of the party structure for someone who is important to a lot of members of the Labour Party to do so at very very short notice. I don't think anyone would argue with the idea that it is reasonable for an institution to review its structure from time to time you know, to decide whether it wants to be a membership of an international trading organisation, for example, uh, or on a smaller scale, to decide whether it have one or two deputy leaders or what have you. I think the thing the thing is, while you're saying that the deputy leader in question has maybe not behaved in quite the way you would like, he's certainly a fairly popular deputy leader, and well, there's not no... With the membership. There's n- with, no, certainly not with the leadership, no, but then, you know, then... Well, not with the membership either. That he's got a something like negative thirty percent approval rating with Labour members, according to uh, YouGov stuff. No, I know we know what the caveats on polls. Oh, oh well, I was going to say, it's still making him more popular than the actual leader. Then, with not no, with sorry, the with the general public as opposed to, I would certainly rather. The general public don't know who he is. Well, they do now. And, mm. and and yes, let's leave leaving aside the interactions. The point is that there's no particular reason, having had this discussed a little bit from time to time, to bring it up in the middle of the night, literally the minute the leader leaves the NEC meeting, unless you're trying to stab him in the back while he's having a Chinese meal in Manchester. And let's be fair, it's pretty obvious that they were trying to stab him in the back, that this was the plan and the hope. And maybe, to be even more cynical, they were hoping to cause maybe not quite this much fuss, but certainly to give Jeremy the opportunity to step in and seem reasonable by pulling back from the brink, while still eventually getting their goal, which is to get rid of the position. Now, I think I, that, I think, is if... Um, I, this is not something that I think uh, Jeremy would um, be involved in or countenance to, but I would not put it past the idea that that would, um, that would be a... A plan, you know, it's essentially pushing a little bit of um, internal Labour Party Overton windows, suggesting something that, while completely, possibly, you know, possibly true and democratic, is going to cause a fuss. You then get to row back a little bit, and yeah, and you, you get what you wanted anyway. It's um, aim high. The story I heard this morning on the on the radio was that 
Corbyn had got up, walked out of the room, patted John Landsman on the back, and then, sorry, got up, patted John Landsman on the back and walked out of the room, and John Landsman had waited until the door was shut and then immediately tabled the motion. Well, that has the same amount of um, veracity, as far as I'm concerned, as the Jeremy Corbyn falling falling over pissed story. It's just... It's just not true, is it? It's conference season, you never know. But yes, I, I, we don't know the details of that meeting, but plenty of people have said uh, interesting things and it doesn't look good. That's, that's the thing that really troubles me. It's, you know, it's clear disunity. It's the sort of thing that the party shouldn't be doing. It's the, the opposite of how the Prescott-Blair thing worked. But I think this is kind of interesting. I heard I heard someone um, right at the start of when this was going on saying, "Oh no, this is not the time," and then uh, someone on the on the left suggested that in a minute they will start threatening a leadership challenge, and they won't think that it's possibly not the time for that either. Um, so, absolute um, hypocritical uh, pronouncements from from people on a certain side of of this divide, but. In the same way we said last week about um, the Labour students' move, um, this was all going to blow over really quickly. It would have been chip wrappings by the Brexit motion or by the Supreme Court decision that's, that both come in this week. So, but these things are also remembered it, by party members. At the moment, it doesn't look, you know. Firstly, things that become chip wrapping do also nudge into, you know, chip into the collective consciousness. People are looking at this conference and they're not seeing the sort of, the sort of competence that could be being presented the sort of thing that you know if the whole conference looked like john mcdonald's speech just did then the impression given would be very different although to be absolutely honest to be personal you know and and i say this as a freelancer and stuff listening to john mcdonald's speech and then sitting back a little bit further and listening to him to describe his orders the workers and that kind of thing it's a little it's a little old-fashioned still. It's a little... For those, you know, if you don't actually work in the civil service or in a large, uh, you know, company that's going to go on forever, like Thomas Cook... <coughs> oh, dear. Um, then the whole thing does seem a little bit... I don't know. 19th century. People don't see themselves as that. So it's part of the Labour Party's job to raise class consciousness is part of the Labour Party's job. It's not to dismiss the idea that there is a difference between those that sell their labour and those that own capital and don't have to sell their labour. The idea is that we need to educate those people that do have to sell their labour in order to survive, that they are part of a class that is a is a block and can be a block and they don't need to vote against their self-interest. Now, how you do that is, is different. I think I was um, talking last week about how Labour had to be possibly more positive in the next um, forthcoming election campaign. And I think we've seen across this conference so far tens of really interesting, radical, good policy ideas that should cut through. So ones that touch individual lives, and you only need one or two to touch each individual life if it can cut through, and you've read a, read a real difference. So, you know, free prescriptions and, um, you know, the National sort of Social Care Service or... Abolishing the, um, private schools and taking private property into public brilliant. ownership. Ooh. Great stuff. It's, it might be brilliant. And it, do you not think it also just smacks of being... You know, in a, in a country where like ten percent of people go to independent schools and stuff, seven percent is it seven? You know, whatever. Yeah, it's a, you know, yes, it's unfair. Yes, it's not right. But announcing it in that exact way is a way of saying this conference believes that Labour should not win the next general election because we are not going to target that middle group that you know, the people that New Labour were able to cut through to. People who go to private school are not in the middle of anything. It's not the people who go, it's the people who aspire. I Don't get me wrong, I personally think that, you know, in a perfect and fair and even world where it was a world and rather than an individual country thing, that, that pretty much that happened. But there's something about the language. There's something about it that just comes across in, for you know, 
it is a communist <laughs> policy, even it, although obviously arrived at uh, democratically. And it sounds threatening and it sounds ominous and it will put more people off than it potentially gains. You won't, you literally won't win a general election because it will upset. The actual policy is a measured degradation and removal of special statuses that they currently have yeah. to it with an end goal. Which is which would have been a much more sensible thing equality. to say. So well that is what people said. That is what the that is what the idea is. It's not the um you can't if you if Labour said their only policy they weren't going to change anything about the how the Tories were, but they were going to swap round the um white and black on the zebra crossing to the other way around all we'd have is you know series of headlines about oh they haven't costed this this is fucking venezuela and this is people gonna be eating animals next it doesn't matter what labor attempt to spin these things as what matters is whether or not we can cut through to the people and i'm willing even if we lost everybody the seven percent of um parents it's probably smaller than that, actually. Since 7% of children, you can assume you're two points. And so 3 or 4% of parents that send their children to private school, if we lose those votes, it doesn't matter. It's They weren't going to vote for us anyway, mate. Yeah, I, I don't think... Well, I, I don't think you lose many votes there. My, my concern is more the, the votes amongst people who now see the party as much more aggressively... Le- well, left-wing, I guess... <laughs> Very old-fashioned as well. It, it's, I bet the, the further left Labour goes um, in the recent elections, the more votes they pick up. Hmm. It's uh, I did, if, 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 if in the same way that after uh, Gordon Brown losing in 2010, people said, oh, we, we didn't get, we've moved quite a far bit right, but we haven't moved right enough because we lost. Um, if we could make the uh, assumption that we moved a little bit further left uh, under Ed and we moved a little bit further left under in 2017. And so, oh. Well, so we kept moving left, and we got more votes. So, well, I think that um, I think we're going to just have to look at the popularity calculus. of the leaders in question. That's that you know, it's it's not about how far left or how far right you were per se. Although you know, these all these things add up. But the thing you can look at and see easily on the opinion polls is the popularity of the leader, and the popularity of the leader at the moment is the lowest ever of all leaders ever in any opinion poll in this country. And that's why Labour will lose the next general election. And that's why I can't believe this conference isn't taking the opportunity. You know, it would be a fantastic thing to do to come and go against that European policy to to turn everything that uh, Momentum has uh, done on their own heads and actually do a bit of party democracy and say... Except that's not how it works. No, I know. the department. That's not how the rules work. They can't do that. Yeah. Uh, well, they should, shouldn't they? <laughs> well, they can't. It's impossible. That's not how it works. There is no... Uh, there's, there's, in the same way there's no ethical consumerism under capitalism, there is no removing Jeremy Corbyn from the leadership of the Labour Party. The leadership thing could be triggered very quickly, but it wouldn't um, play out. You'd have a month of campaigning or more. So, And, and Jeremy Corbyn would win. The only advantage to it is Jeremy Corbyn gets to make speeches on the front pages of the newspapers and on the television a lot. It's actually quite advantageous for both Labour poll- Labour um, polling and Labour member numbers and uh, Jeremy Corbyn's approval rating. So, the yeah, the current NEC will find a way of favouring Jeremy Corbyn unless, unless he's stood down. And then they'll still find a way of favouring a preferred candidate. The problem with the idea of Corbynism without Corbyn, as people um, suggest it, is that you've got no guarantee of a left candidate getting onto the ballot paper. So, because the candidates are selected by the PLP. So the ballot, yeah, yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. It's a number of, um, yeah. There's a nomination threshold in the same way there was for Jeremy. So, is that, so, so I thought um, that had changed. Has it not? No, it hasn't. The, the, the number may have changed. Um, needed, but there's still no guarantee that you would get one single left candidate nominated. So <laughs> it's a very difficult. It's a very difficult one. I, I only ask because it, I mean, it wouldn't be unreasonable to stand down after 
not getting your way or what is perceived to be your way at a conference. Jeremy has suggested that he will, as as always, abide by the conference decision. So there is no... You, you, people can and will paint the picture as a win or a lose, but this is a system of a complicated, perhaps bloody, perhaps uh, frustrating for all involved system of didactical discussions to produce a, a policy. That's all it is. So the um, two apparently 10-hour uh, compositing um, sessions on the Green New Deal motion. That's amazing. Fancy being in that meeting? I don't enjoy any meetings that last more than about 20 minutes. So, no. From from people I know that were, were in that, the the sort of um, the Green New Deal supporters came out positively elated, even though, well, maybe, maybe because the outcome was to split the motions into two. One which was a proper Green New Deal motion, and one watered-down one that the GMB can support. Uh, so so the, uh, the GMB just, against but, uh, is, the environment? Um, yes, to a certain extent. they um, prote- uh, There's a certain amount of protectionism to workers in their industries rather than um, those same workers that would be part of the transitioning to a green economy. Um, but they might end up joining another union when that happened. There's um, it, it, that has been the that has been the blocker. That's why it's been so great to see some unions come out in favour of a proper Green New Deal solution, um, because that's important. And um, from um, people on the, the conference floor that I'm hearing about, the there are a lot of um, CLP delegates that are flabbergasted and um, possibly because they're you know they're new. So neophytes to the the sort of shenanigans that go on, but they watch a conference where lots of um, people passionately talk up these motions, and then they see the union block vote who haven't really spoken them defeated um, by the, the union. vote the other way, which which uh, which incidentally brings up an interesting because that's the same issue with the um, European vote that's happening. Like whatever the outcome, if. Uh, Corbyn uh, leadership had been able to persuade the unions all or the key unions to go his way then the vote on the floor wouldn't have mattered at all it's an in- it's an interesting thing and you can see and we just talked about the mechanism for electing a leader and a deputy leader that is how um, uh, Ed Miliband attempted to redress the balance of, le- of unions having overarching influence in that decision by producing the sort of one um, member one vote of the registered supporter scheme um, that was to and every, and people on the right of the party applauded that at that point because it lessened the power of the unions I, de- I genuinely don't know um, what you do and it's, it's interesting uh, I was thinking about this that um, there will be I don't know about the actual delegates um, from, from, uh, from my CLP uh, but it would, but hypothetically, um, un, um, unite are the the big um, employer and the big union in in Oxford. Certainly, they they hold um, a lot of the the workers at um, Oxfam and the, the the council and the Oxford University Press and things like that. So there's a big block. Mo- so if someone's in the Labour Party, there, there's a fair chance that they are a unite member and, and an employee of one of those things. They could be at conference now seeing their own vote negated by the their part of the block vote, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I mean, um, and, and yet the party claims to be democratic, whereas it seems to be, you know, crazy. It's democratic. It's fully democratic, but we may see the... It's not It's not one member, one vote, is it? And I think that's... Um, that's a, a it's an enormous tension because you need the support of the unions. The Labour Party is built out of the Labour movement and because um, they supply but, all the money. Well, that well, that's not all of the money. There's a, a vast amount of money coming in from the vast amount of members at the moment. But it's a it's a block of money, and it's a weird because people are union members are likely to be even less active, I feel, than party members in terms of sort of percentage terms. I I think that's so, probably fair. Like people who join the party. Um, join the party because they are you know the political activists we've talked about people join the union often because they feel they have to because of the annoying guy at the end of the you know um their line who sort of makes them uh, or because they feel it's going to protect them in a difficult situation you know the tradition 
or you know or more often than not these days they simply don't join the union it, that's i think and that is what that is one of the problems isn't it because the despite the um the sort of influence of the unions has not lessened perhaps to the sort of commensurate with the number of peoples who are, are, are in are union members but that's not necessarily to say we want that to happen because we want people we want unions to play a big part and we want there to be more union members you know there's a how do we get through this society at the moment you know we we vote labor we join a union we you know what I mean? We that's that's the. I thought base, I, I thought there the was a bit of a of paradox as I was listening to John McDonald's speech, actually. Um, you know, and the, com- the conversation about providing that ten percent ownership um, uh, for employees, what w- stakeholders? I, I guess would be the phrase there for the new labour era. Um, that kind of thing, which is is all good old fashioned. Cap, not capital, but yeah, it's using traditional capitalist structures, and it sort of negates the need for a union. If you successfully create enough internal workers' ownership to have a necessary, you know, to have the influence, I figure that point is, isn't ten percent, though, is it? I, you, I think you still need. You know what I mean? I still need a union. It's moving towards that. I mean, the, yeah, the union's role then remains just the organisation who get together and decide to collectively withdraw labour. Well, the, the unions do a lot, lot more than that. But it's, um, I think, I, I, it's not necessarily um, straightforward that you have ten percent workers' control of or worker ownership of a company. Ten percent voting stock, even if it were, is not a lot of voting stock when you consider that the way the other ninety percent is going to go on most issues. I think the policy also includes voting direct a minimum number of voting directors doesn't it on a board for a company of a reasonable side again all of these things sort of broadly assume biggish companies rather than small startups and that kind of thing that's because you can't necessarily you can't necessarily legislate in the same way for those small companies you have to do other things so encourage cooperative models uh by your um by using the leaves of the treasury so the national um, investment and regional investment banks um, will be will be to do that to encourage green cooperative models of startups. So it's much easy. It's much more attractive if you're a, a small entrepreneur starting your internet startup to create a cooperative model rather than a you know a, a, a venture capital backed um, dog eat dog version of a company. Although. <laughs> obviously people need somewhere to start and something to aspire to surely the aspiration to you know what i mean i don't know i've not started a huge amount of um internet app companies uh in my life but the the ones i have started i've been interested in forming the the thing and doing the thing and getting the thing to work not necessarily the idea that i want to uh, run a company Oh, no, no one wants to run a company. They want to create passive income, surely. Well, that would be... That's it. I just, let's just all live on our royalties. <laughs> I'm going to risk a little th- a little query um, because I've been suffering, you know, as, as a, a person who looks at the politics from both sides and tries to think the way a voter does... I've been suffering quite a lot this week because there's a book that comes out that I sort of had to read or listen to. Um, in fact, that's even worse because it's recorded by the man in question. Um, and I'm not all the way through it yet. It's hard work. It's not very interesting, for one thing. Have you got to the Have you got to the pig yet? <laughs> Funnily enough, I'm fairly confident that's not going to be mentioned in there. Um, I'd be slipping slipping straight to the index in. Uh... Do audiobooks even have indexes? I, I do know that he's Don't had know. enough time to record it himself. I'll say that. Uh, this is uh, David Cameron's autobiography, for those of you who are dumb enough not to be able to work this out. Uh, so it's dull. Um, anyway, so I, I recently mentioned... Um, I mean, the, the impression I've got so far by Chapter 10 is we're looking at a man who is not actually evil and in you know many respects quite um moral through personal experiences like having uh, a not well father and um you know other personal tragedies um but 
just unbelievably naive. So he just, I think if he is to be believed in everything he says about believing other people's motives, despite being a politician, he must be a bit of a dum-dum. That's, that's the impression I'm getting. But he just He's mentioned... suggesting someone did put lipstick on that pig. <laughs> yeah, and that, that was enough to convince him it was a... Hu- no. Um... <laughs> so this podcast is uh, called That Option No Longer Exists, which comes from a phrase used at a, a Labour conference. But and so each week we take on the opportunity of looking if a thing that used to be an option is no longer an option. So in um, deference to it being conference, in deference to the way the the media are there and in deference to the fact that apparently Daily Mail hacks are going round in Brighton this year going, we know you don't like us, but to delegates to try and get stories out, does the option of an actual policy-making conference that isn't just shown, uh, portrayed by the media as a bunch of disunity and shouting does that exist well it never has before and has that that's not stopped people i can't i can't record a single labor conference that hasn't in some way been presented as disunity you know the word disunity is always shown around i think i said that at the top of the podcast but what it does seem to be in in a way there's an advantage in that everyone knows that they'll hear the word disunity so when there is genuine disunity such as this year um it's masked because a lot of people think oh yeah it's just one of the words you're going to hear during the conference week Uh, and this year it's going to be even further masked by the fact that the government may or may not be going to prison (laughs) let's just hope um, there's so, enough spaces in Ford Open Prison for these guys. Um, I I mean, in I'd fairness, have to go even, to after the, even after the judgment, they'll have to show contempt to the judgment before they can be found in contempt and sent to prison. So it might take a few more days yet. I almost think that what Labour should do is, you know, um, one of these things is, now I work for a, a large um, uh NGO and one of the ideas I once had was that you know we want to be incredibly transparent about everything about our incomes and everything and that's good we want to do that but we I but you'd still be a little bit nervous about showing not just the admin costs because people you know people can see that but what the admin costs are spent on I almost think you could drown it by saying okay here's all the information we need to let's show the daily mail just how much we spent on paper clips this year just how much on blue tack and they're just and they're going oh well, this is a lot of to spend on paper clips going, ah, but if we didn't spend that on paper clips all our bits of paper would go apart and you wouldn't be able to do anything so i wonder if the labor party needs I, I not hope it's recycled less. paper i'm sure it all is fsc certified at the very least i would have thought the so the idea that Labour Party needs to have more public decision making and more democracy rather than less. I think, and then you just go, okay, this is the norm. This is how the Labour Party makes its decisions. A lot of people can't grasp the fact that you make, we we make these decisions, you know, in five days, four days in in a seaside resort once every year, and then we have to wait till next year to you know to change or or iterate those decisions or make the big decisions and i think that's it that's that's really difficult for people to grasp they think the world moves fast well they're right it's crazy so how so you need so you need more demo you need more democracy you need more mechanisms for doing this right yeah um well yes and no like yes in theory in practice isn't you know the digital democracy which is the only way of dealing with that sort of thing problematic um you know we've seen all sorts of reasons why you can't quite trust it um, and, and, and is really yet, difficult and th- and there are still further problems like one one of the options currently on the table like, you know i say again it's it's just gone two now um <laughs> uh for the uh, european issue for the labor party is to have a special conference you know a, a one day when people are all dragged back to decide what they think of it then given the circumstances dictated to the world then and you know while it seems perfectly fair if you're in opposition and have zero control over events that you can't make decisions by a conference that will be out of date by a certain point 
at the same time it seems very unfair to be dragging lots of people out to these events at some cost and cost of their you know time uh, to make decisions which in turn means that you're going to have a democratic deficiency because in practice the only people who show up are going to be the ones you know the union uh, or it's going to be weighted towards uh, those who can afford to show up or those who are employed to show up rather than those who are members so the decisions aren't going to be great if you have a special brexit conference i guarantee every clp will, will manage to send someone the um where you will still have the we'll still there have must the, also be a cost to the party uh, oh, yeah by extension the membership the of course but it's the idea that i mean on Brexit, the idea that you can decide now which of the two options in a referendum you're going to back when you don't know what one of them is, that is that's not very grown up, is it? Yeah, I think a lot, a much easier thing would be to say we will hold our in-out in referendum. But that's how we got into this mess. We didn't this. We didn't nail or, down what the both of the options were. We we will. Maybe it would be sensible to say if you want if you want to have something to say and you don't want to say revoke and which is the best thing and now I think probably um, neither electorally nor for the unity of the country but go on um, but it's certainly the best thing to do and secondly it may well be something Labour could successfully sell so may not who knows um, certainly Corbyn is not really able to sell himself in general um, and either way it's it's screwed but how about offering the whole the whole choice offering the referendum to kill the, you know to finish them all Canada Norway all out all in every option on the table I'd love to see the mechanism well, it's, it's, it's four it's, it's a simple four choice vote really but what you can do ATV or STV that um, that affects the result. No, no, first, first passed, first passed, first passed. That that gets that gets you no deal. Does it? Yeah. Oh yeah. I think that might get you. Uh, well, it might also get you remain. It probably doesn't sure do you well in either of the other camps. It, su it suits, but it suits binary choices, and I think unfortunately you'd have too many. I think there are too the too many sort of people who would rather remain. I think that's a better idea, but would actually say, "Oh no, let's be fair and we'll do do a little bit of leaving." No, we, you can make clear when you present it that this is this is the new one. You know, you don't have to be fair and do a bit of leaving. You can do exactly what you want. I. I I, I know what you're saying. I, I, I know what I'd you're love saying. the idea, mate, but it's um. I don't. I'd look. Uh, if, if I think if it if it were possible to come up with the the best um, electoral system, then sort of a, a referendum for for solving this problem, then I think someone would have done it. I've I've no not one that I've heard solves the problems of it being a t you know it, trying to be neutral. Because just simply but the mechanism that um, use favours certainly one the, the policy of you know well we'll stay totally neutral about it and talk about other stuff during the election is absolutely ludicrous because everyone else will be talking about it. It's just a way of not not playing in the next election, and it's very easy to say well these are the other things that are important in people's lives, but it's not. A, a functioning outcome it doesn't stop other people talking about it we've touched on him a little bit and a, you told me that jeremy corbyn touched him as well but this week i thought we'd consider whether the leader of momentum john landsman is clever or stupid i'm gonna say he was clever and now he's stupid Okay, which is bit that was, Which bit was the clever bit? <laughs> you spent. Quite, I, 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 you know, I, I know the Labour Party loves a nuanced answer, and I think you know likes to get them across because they are very easy to explain to people. So I'm going to say that you know, for the first quite significant chunk of his career, he's been very smart. He's taken a niche um, political view, um, and 
you know, identified the Labour as the party for it, rather than trying to create his own group or go off and, you know, be a communist or anything like that, and has taken a position, always linking, you know, to the, the term democracy as an excuse, and ended up effectively in control of the Labour Party. Uh, he's very stupid because he looks like well, he's, he's going to destroy the Labour Party as a result. I, I think you are exaggerating both of those statements. But in what in what way? Where where do you see the destruction stemming from? I this I see what we're saying at this conference. Um, the the pushing out of the centre ground of you know the centre of politics. The people who small c conservatives could vote for the people who could come to labor for new labor but have been scared away since i just i don't see those people as having much of a voice anymore and i think that some of the stuff we've seen you know seen um particularly around the tom watson just didn't look good it's created a hostile environment and that hostility is is now it's quite widespread including amongst some of his own supporters and you know they've created a certain amount of internal party democracy they've been very keen on party democracy and they've really talked up party democracy and yet now the uh, over the european issue it feels like Landsman is against party democracy because it's not giving the outcome he wants. And if you talk about democracy all the time, until it's not going your way, it doesn't look great. It looks quite the opposite. John Landsman hasn't taken a position on the uh, Brexit votes. Not um, publicly, uh, but everyone knows. He he quotes, supports the leadership, close quote. The National Coordinating Committee of Momentum, which is a slightly different thing, is asking people to vote with the leadership. Um, John Lutzman is a little bit of a, a, a free agent in that respect. People, lots of people in Momentum are not happy with the sort of democratic deficit within Momentum, which was created by a, a sort of desire not to just recreate the internal democratic structures in the Labour Party, which don't work, because but to mirror them was kind of the only the only other option rather than you have sort of central control and supposed direct democracy on some issues or you have you know a mirroring of the structures that's um yeah it's it's been proven to be a a, a weird old um a weird old system and i speak as a it's a, quite a sinister a, thing in general i mean all, all sort of affiliated organizations it's it, there's a certain discomfort about them because they all subtly imply that the party that itself can't can't handle democracy on its own and obviously all of them end up working for their own agenda there's there's something uncomfortable about it all well i mean momentum are, are not affiliated officially um uh, in the in the same way that a lot of organizations are like or were like uh, i was gonna say it's a good example of, uh, <laughs> of one that yes kicked out by don but, um, but some of the some of the organisations that are affiliated are tiny little things. So, like scientists for Labour's not, you know, it's not very many of not very many of them, um, and things like that. And then, do we genuinely trust the Fabians? I'm not sure I do. Um, not as a not as a movement individually. I'm sure they're all very nice people, but you know what I mean. The um, there used to be something called the Labour Friends of Israel. I'm not sure that still exists. Uh, I, they seem to vociferously still exist, although they apparently haven't decided to have a, a stall at this year's conference. The um, the other interesting thing, apparently there are um, stalls at the conference, one for Gibraltar and one for the Falkland Islands, who are both, um, essentially, they've got lovely um, stalls showing all the, the benefits that their particular archipelago or um, whatever... or uh, which, which, presumably, if Corbyn had his way, would immediately be handed to the nearest dictatorship. I mean, the... I, I mean, the that, idea that's that why we they hold feel territory in the South Atlantic does seem a little bit far-fetched. But they're, um, but apparently all they're doing is they've got these lovely uh, stands, but all they're just going is, Brexit's going to fuck us, Brexit's going to fuck us. Um, and that's true, isn't it? it, it it's, um, it is. It, uh, it's uh, focus the minds. And maybe the... I 
think we managed to get through this conference without Brexit focusing any minds at all or without Labour coming out with a focused mind. I still think we'll be able to plough a conciliatory furrow after this. So how's um, that going to work at the doorstep? You're going to be on a doorstep, aren't you, encouraging people to vote Labour? Um, and they are, I mean, presumably in a neighbor, neck of the woods where they're going to want to vote Lib Dem and they're going to be feeling very Remain. What what are you going to say about Labour's stance? Well, I don't know what it is yet. <laughs> but I think that... <laughs> well, no, we're about to see what it is. But I think, no, I think if it is as has been... Has been the, the and, and you don't care what it is. Like, that's, 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 I think that's the thing that, uh, you know, is also very strange. Um, at least this morning I turned on the radio and I already knew uh, what John McDonnell thought in his heart, you know, when he was speaking on his own. Um, but you're, you know, genuinely have no view on this issue, um, even though at some point you'll have to say it would be horrific uh, for us to remain or if it would be it would be horrific for us to leave. I don't think it's that. Well, it needn't be horrific for us to leave. I think the options thus far presented to us for leaving would be horrific. I don't So I believe that it is not necessarily a disaster to leave. All options of leave thus presented to us so far have would be disastrous i believe there is a a possible managed soft leaving that is acceptable i don't think that it would necessarily be as good as remaining but i'm it we did have a bloody referendum and like it or not remain lost it could have done better it could have campaigned better it didn't it was headed by David bloody Cameron and um, sort of mod postman fella and it just didn't work it didn't do it and I don't know it's you can't you can't say that that's the the end result and we'll we'll never do it but you've got to make an effort and if you come eventually come to the stage where you've got a you know the best we think we can achieve leave thing and then it's perfectly valid to say this is the best we can get do you want it or do you want to remain because we can still remain at that point and putting that back to the people seems eminently sensible but does it i mean are those people going to feel that the leave they're being offered under those circumstances is genuinely the best we think we can get that is the difficult thing because people have been poisoned and people want different things but we have to even that is that's the thing that unfortunately that labor have to sell on the doorstep and I don't think John Lansman's um, cleverness or stupidness oh, we, has we, affected we've this issue from. in either way. No, obviously every every discussion at the moment um, heads back to Brexit. And on Twitter, we've been running a thing that we're referring to as the worst Tory ever Twitter World Cup, where you have to vote for the worst Tory ever. Follow that option part and you'll, this, the group stage is just about to finish, actually. But it's not been a sequence of results in the group stages that show that people are voting on the wide historical spectrum of Tory policies, the many and varied bad no. policies where, that where they've are the been producing going? since they were first formed. Everyone is essentially, oh, it's that Brexit arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mark Francois, uh, something like sixty or seventy percent of his group uh, votes. Even though he's a man who I uh, suggested would leave the uh, toilet pan of history absolutely skid marked free after he gets flushed. Oh he yeah, no. Make... I mean, maybe one day in the future, history won't just be red, and you know, maybe you'll get to see some little clips of of the people in question because. You know, I'm sure we'd get to see pictures, uh, like video clips of Pitt the Elder and that, uh, Pitt the Younger, and uh, various other people. Were their video available? I think, you know, history is going to be different, isn't it, in the future? And, and maybe he will be an ideal person to fish out as the sort of person that made Britain f- collapse. Assuming, assuming he gets his way, you know, we slip down further from, you know... Uh, 
however you measure it from the fifth great biggest economy to the sixth or seventh now and you know by the time the history book's looking at it we're going to be comfortably 20th it would it amuses me to think what punch cartoonists would have made of him yeah uh, yeah they, they'd have enjoyed him wouldn't they he would have got a lot of uh scribbling time he would um he would also have been probably represented with a, a sash on with his name on as everybody is yes. um in those cartoons but uh there are no none of which cartoons are on our twitter feed at that option pod on our facebook page uh facebook.com forward slash that option pod or just search for that option no longer exists there are none of those cartoons on our website that option.co.uk where there are is however ample parking no ample um uh back issues of uh this podcast are even more out of date than this one currently is um i think that uh i don't think we really fought this weekend did we no i don't think we we got distracted but i do think like i said i, I really stand by my initial view on the subject i think he you know he's obviously a very smart operator or has been for a long period of time but i think a lot of people you know in some ways, it's it's the same thing I think about Jeremy Corbyn, is that growing up in 70s politics are less well adapted to the modern age and certain ways of thinking get exposed. And I think, you know, what we've seen either, you know, there was a, a certain amount of political operation or, you know, if you think that he was... however you However you view it, the um tom watson thing was stupid unless it was incredibly sneaky Badly timed perhaps and i don't think you like to think that anyone in the labor party is incredibly sneaky whereas i think um, that, you know i don't, I don't like historically think, I think he, has, quite a lot. he has achieved a lot it's um yeah and i, I wasn't just thinking not about stuff i admire by the way but you know a lot I wasn't just thinking about fighting you uh, over that one, but I'm glad we agreed that um, John McDonald's speech was uh, phenomenal. I just hope we live to see some of those um, policies implemented, which won't be uh, by next week when you join us again on uh, that option no longer exists, the, the podcast where we sometimes forget to fight about the left and right and wrongs and rights of uh, Labour policy and democracy and we sometimes just essentially look, stand back and go Christ, Brexit's a bit of a mess and isn't John McDonnell great? <laughs> Isn't it interesting to see that Neville Chamberlain will not be going through from the group stages as the worst Tory ever, despite his obvious achievement? He holds in his hand a piece of paper and it says that he came third in the uh, his group stage. Yeah. In the... He holds in hand his piece of paper that says he is a chump. Even better to, um, you know, kill them and let them rot and use that as feed, wouldn't it? But we don't plan to do that. And, uh, so that's not renew policy. Certainly, it's certainly not renew policy. I'm saying that you, you know you're the one who's super pro environment. I'm also pro environment, I should say. But you know, I certainly do not propose killing people to do so. Well, okay. So Soylent Green is off the table for um, now. Yeah. I mean, we come yeah. 2025, and if uh, is it no 202050? 20, sorry, and things aren't looking so good. I'm sure people will start to think things through again.